with uh, Barrett's testimony in front of us and this table still ahead of us, uh, listen to this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, but do you come to me? Jesus said to him, let it be so now, for it is right for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And after he'd been baptized, when Jesus was coming up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. Then the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus said, as it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will bear you up with their hands so that you do not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said again, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then he took him to a great high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world with their splendor and said, all of these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. Again, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. It's Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, what a combination of stories, don't you think? You've got baptism with its proclamation, my son, I love him, I like him too, with, and the wilderness with the temptation, eat fall, kneel. Each, each of these two stories, in their own right, deserve all of our attention. But set next to each other, they demand our focus. I'm calling this story the baptation. I made that up all by myself. <laughs> Baptism and temptation are not two different stories. Baptism and temptation go together. It's the same story. Have any of you ever experienced challenge? Chris, 
Do any of you know what it's like to face pain? Have you experienced the quiet, insidious voice of temptation? If you have, and when you do, know you stand next to Jesus. I wonder what 2019 will bring for you. Not to make anybody overly anxious, but this is a year leading up to the year of a presidential election. Signs in your neighbor's yard leaving you aghast. (laughs) Conversations in coffee shops leaving you bewildered. Pundits pontificating, leaving you exhausted. How will you respond? I wonder what 19 will bring. The market's kind of wonky. Finances might get a little funky. How are you going to respond? I wonder what 19 will bring. If 19 goes like 18 and every year before that one, you will experience a challenge. An obstacle will be presented, a temptation will work its way in, a pain will happen, circumstances around your life will mount up in such a way you don't think you can make it. How will you respond? I think there's a couple of things we can learn from this baptation story. Uh, Here's how I'm organizing the morning. The preparation, the reality, the claim, and the promise. And then we'll come to the table. Uh, First, the preparation. Uh, The baptization story starts like this. This is verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Then Jesus came from Galilee. Jesus walking on his own two feet. Jesus about to take center stage in this salvation drama for the whole world. Jesus about to take his front seat in this unfolding salvation story for all the world. And, and, and you, if, you, if you're a Christian, if you have heard about Christianity, you know that's true about Jesus. What's interesting, though, this time Jesus shows up not escorted in the mother's womb or held by his father's embrace, but now, for the first time, shows up the man. The last time we left Jesus, he was still wrapped in bands of cloth, The manger had not yet become the feeding trough again, and the shepherds were hardly back to their fields, and yet here we have, then Jesus came from Galilee. Thirty years have passed. Thirty years. If you're a college student, you're like, that's older than me. Your whole life has passed, and we know nothing about it. I mean, very little about it. We just get, then Jesus came from Galilee. What happened? Who did he hang out with? Where did he go? What did he do? I mean, the other Gospels give us small glimpses of little scenes of his life, but mostly we have no idea. Uh, But we do know this. I mean, I'm I'm deducing this from the baptation story. In those 30 years, he spent an awful lot of time immersing himself in the story of God as it comes in Scripture. How else would, when the devil showed up to him in the wilderness and starts tempting him, could he respond not once, not twice, but three times reciting Scripture, the book of Deuteronomy? 
He didn't run back to, you know, John and grab the Deuteronomy scroll and bring it back to the wilderness to recite to the devil. Now, let me see here. In Deuteronomy, it does say he didn't run off to Jerusalem in the Temple Mount or the local synagogue and grab the scroll. He had it interiorized. Jesus had it in him. Deuteronomy is part of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Jesus, in those 30 years, where did he go? What did he do? We are not exactly sure, but we do know he spent an awful lot of time immersing himself in the story of God so that when the challenge arose or the temptation came or the obstacle was in front of him, he knew how to respond. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts it. This is in a book titled Working the Angles. I'm used to looking for the signs of God's presence in crisis and in blessing. I'm forced to look to God when I have failed or sinned. I'm already motivated to look to God when everything comes together in an experience of wholeness and arrival. But the random ordinary? That's, that is when I'm getting ready for the next triumph or drifting into the next disaster. How about exploring everyday ordinariness for the presence of God and the workings of grace when nothing is going on? Is there perhaps something going on? If you wait for the obstacle to appear, the challenge to arrive, the temptation to tempt, it's too late. We immerse ourselves in the story. We prepare ourselves now in ordinary time when nothing seems to be going on so that when something's going on, we know how to respond. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but over the last five or six weeks, we've, been, we've begun the slow journey through the Gospel of Matthew. The journey will continue all the way to graduation weekend. That's like four more months. Five months in all, we'll be meandering slowly through the Gospel of Matthew. So here's the deal. Here's an idea. You can take it or leave it. I would say take it. Why don't you memorize as a way to interiorize some portion of the Gospel of Matthew? Memorize the baptation story or the Sermon on the Mount, or a parable, or the crucifixion account, or the resurrection narrative. Interiorize it. Get it inside. You've got four months interiorize it so that when whatever 19 will bring brings, you're prepared. You might maybe just possibly be prepared. That's the first thing I wanted you to see. Now here's the second thing, the reality. The reality is pain happens. The real- Has anyone ever been disappointed, frustrated, Upset, sad. Have you ever experienced loss of any kind? The reality is these things come our way. I mean, it's staggering to me. Uh, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We like to think of Christianity as a flu shot. (laughs) You get the shot and you're probably not going to get the flu. Or a vaccine, you know? Get the, get the vaccine and you're, don't worry about polio. We like to think of Christianity as a vaccine. Say your prayer, it'll all go well. Do your devotions, everything will be fine. Go to church, sing the songs. God owes you. 
What if that's not actually true? The reality is, the proof of our lives suggests pain will happen. And, and, and when it does, it is not evidence that you have, are necessarily some, uh, somehow outside of God's intentions for your life. This is my son, the beloved, to be tempted by the devil. Uh, the printing press, I mean, this is going to sound like a terribly long tangent, and it might be a terribly long tangent, but there is a point. The printing press was invented in 1437. I think that's right. Uh, before that, the printing press is like mass production of, of books. Uh, before that, most people did not read. They did not read because they could not read, and they did not read or could not read because there was nothing to read. There was like one Bible chained to a pulpit in a regional library somewhere. Mostly, people didn't read because they couldn't read because there was nothing to read. But then 1437 happened, the Gutenberg and the printing press happens, and all of a sudden we can mass produce books, all kinds of books. And so then, then people started reading because there was something to read. And publishers then had to figure out how to organize the things people were reading. So they put, like in the Bible, they put chapters and verse numbers so that a pastor on a Sunday could say, turn with me to Matthew 3, verses 13 through chapter 4, verse 11, and you could find it. So now there's these little numbers in our Bibles. They're called verses. And a little bit bigger numbers, they're called chapters. So you come to this story, the baptization story, and there's a big four stuck right in the middle, suggesting to us two different stories. Because someone somewhere decided... Baptism and temptation cannot go together. It would be absolutely unreasonable to the thinking mind that baptism and temptation would go together. So let's put a big four right there, which tells us it's not the same story. But what if it's the same story? What if Christianity is not a vaccine? What if our lives are the proof of the reality? Pain will come. Challenge will happen. Otherwise, we find ourselves in crisis, a crisis of denial. We have to deny the pain-filled realities of our lives. We shove them down. We keep them out. We, we never name them and own them because otherwise we might not seem as Christian as we want to seem. Or there's the crisis of faith. These promises I've told myself God must answer for me aren't happening in my life, so God must not care. Or must not be God. Or the, or the crisis of relationship. We, ent we, we offer everyone false selves rather than the actual things of our real lives. Or the crisis of despair. If these things are happening to me, then, then God must not care about me. We, we, we walk into this crisis, but what if they go together? What if this is my son the beloved led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's the reality. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now here's the claim. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It's the great confession of the Christian faith. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
The God who made the world in the beginning, the God who spoke the sun into existence and the moon to glow, that God entered into the world as Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, which is an absolutely fascinating statement to make at this point in the Gospel of Matthew, because if you remember, Matthew spent a whole ton of time making sure we knew Jesus was the Son of Mary. Remember the genealogy? Forty-two names. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and his brothers, ending Mathan, Jacob, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. Matthew spends a lot of time assuring us the human sonship of Jesus. And now he goes on to say, this is my son, the beloved, insisting on the divine sonship of Jesus. So which is it? Son of God or son of Mary? Human or divine? Which is it? The Christian faith has insisted from its beginning, it's both. He is fully God and at the same time fully human. If you're majoring in math, this is going to be hard for you to figure out. At one and the same time, completely both. This is my son. Uh, Heidelberg Catechism, anybody heard of that? Teaching tool of the Reformed tradition. Who is this mediator? true God and at the same time true and righteous human, answer, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Nicene Creed shouts it this way, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, he became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, was made human. At the same time, both, which is a big deal for you. Beyond just being true, which is good enough, it's a big deal for us, for you, for me. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection, allows us to be daughters of God. Uh, Because Jesus died and rose again, you are claimed as his child. I was reading a book by a guy named Scott Jose. It was actually titled, Listening to a Sermon. It's actually meant for you, but I was reading it on your behalf. In the book, he quotes, or he refers to an interview with an African-American preacher, James Cone. Uh, And in the interview, Cone was asked of the African-American preaching tradition, why are the sermons so long? And Cone responded, when you've been told all week long you're lesser than and maybe even of no value, it takes a little longer to remind each other who we actually are, children of God. So maybe... Maybe you're 70. And nobody's emailing you anymore. Nobody's asking your opinion anymore. And you're starting to think nobody actually cares anymore. Claim this, you are a child of God. So maybe, maybe you're a parent. And you're reading all the books. And you're doing the best you can to raise your kids, at least to be civil. And it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. 
And you kind of think, I'm not going anywhere. Hey, how about this? You are a child of God. So the stock market's going to do whatever it does, and the job's going to go however it goes, and relationships are going to do what they do. How about this? You are a child of God. Sons and daughters of the King, because Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and by his life, death, and resurrection, he opens to us the possibility of being children. Isn't that good news? I mean, we should say amen and head home right now. But we're not going to. Uh, One last thing. That's the claim. And now the promise. Our world is more porous than we actually think. Our world is far more permeable than most of us act. Suddenly, the heavens were opened to him. Angels came and waited on him. What if the world is far more porous, far more permeable than most of us? We think the world exists in cause and effect relationship. I do this, that happens. It always happens. The laws of nature will always rule. The laws of science are the law. What if if we can learn some things from the laws and and remain open to the possibility that the world is far more porous, far more permeable, far more open. The heavens were open. The angels wait. So when 19 brings whatever it's going to bring, and I I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb and suggest 19 will bring a challenge. I'm going to get wild and crazy and suggest 19 will bring an obstacle. 19 will bring pain. 19 will bring loss. 19 will bring disappointment, joy, and so all of those things too, but certainly obstacle and challenge. And you're walking through it. You're doing the best you can to make it. Remember, maybe, just maybe, maybe the heavens are opened. Maybe angels wait. I was in a conversation with a new friend on Wednesday morning. We were having breakfast at the windmill. It was kind of embarrassing to me because that was my second breakfast at the windmill that morning. (laughs) It's actually true. And I didn't want him to know. I felt like that would diminish our experience. So I was hoping for a different booth and a different waitress, and we got a different booth, and we had a different waitress, and he'll never know. (laughs) Unless he listens to this podcast, which he probably won't do. Uh, New friend of mine, um, listening to his story, fascinating story, um, he, he was doing IT stuff before there was IT stuff, like early 80s. He was programming computers before any of us had a computer. Uh, rose the ranks in the company, Silicon Valley, I think it was. Uh, and then took a, hundreds of people working for him. Uh, then took a new job, less west, in I think it was Denver, Uh, with a different company doing the same sort of thing. But then something happened with the market. It kind of crashed, and uh, seniority ruled in the company, and he was no longer senior, so he got laid off. He didn't really care. He was loaded. Uh, So he decided to travel the world. He's going to find himself, he said to me. Find God if there was one. Uh, So he tried out Confucianism. He wore Hinduism. He put on Buddhism, uh, Taoism. And he said, I just... They all felt so shallow to me. 
I learned some things, but in the end, they, they weren't deeply satisfying. So he returned to his home. I think it was Denver. Uh, and across the street from his house or something like that, there was a church. He thought, well, I haven't tried Christianity. So he, he went to the church one Sunday morning, and uh, we'll just call him Tim. He's walking to church, and he hears someone shouting his name, Tim! He's kind of startled, a little weirded out by it all. Tim! He sees someone at the door holding it open, yelling his name. Turns out to be someone from the company that had just laid him off, who happens to be an elder in that church, welcomes him into the church. He gets connected at the church. He becomes a Christian. Interestingly, the same elder then introduced him to Bill McCartney. Do you know that name? Promise Keepers? So this guy then goes on to work with Promise Keepers in their IT stuff for four years. Now, maybe that's just an interesting story of a guy trying to make meaning out of his life who happened to find some friends at a church and it seemed good enough. Or maybe, maybe the heavens are opened. Maybe angels wait. Maybe when 19 brings whatever it will bring. Maybe, 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 maybe don't reduce your life to cause and effect. Maybe don't minimize your life to the laws of nature and the laws of science. Maybe there's more, maybe you are far more interesting than you realized. Maybe the heavens are open. Maybe angels wait. So we're going to come to the table. And it's going to, it's going to taste like bread. And it's going to smell like grape. Maybe there's a whole lot more going on. Maybe, maybe the heavens are open. Maybe angels wait. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.